Hello and welcome. I'm Marquette and you're listening to Mind Body Dallas. I am so excited to have Laura Tarbell on the show today. Laura is an IFBB pro, WNSO pro, and mom of two sets of twins. Yes, two sets of twins. And real quick, if you're wondering what IFBB stands for, it's International Federation of Bodybuilding and WNSO is World Natural Sports Organization. Laura started coaching in 2007. At the time, she had just begun her career as a fitness model and fitness competitor when friends and coworkers started asking her for weight loss and nutrition advice. In a desire to give educated guidance, she took her first nutrition course. 15 years later, she is now a master health and wellness coach, level three performance personal trainer, advanced Stott Pilates instructor, and a functional nutrition practitioner. She recently qualified for the National Health and Wellness Board certification and plans to complete that in November of 2022. Over the years, her coaching progressed from weight loss and performance-based macros and training to also include functional nutrition and supplementation. This was a result of developing her own hormone and digestion issues from overtraining and overdieting for competitions, and she saw a need for it with her client struggles as well. She now specializes in helping competition athletes look their best on stage and then transition into post-show with long-term health in mind. She also specializes in helping frustrated moms who can't seem to lose weight no matter what they try to get to the root cause of what's preventing progress. She helps them reach their physical goals to feel more confident in their body and ultimately to live a more fulfilled life. Laura, hello. Welcome to the show again. I'm glad to have you back on. Hello. Thank you so much for having me back. Yay. Well, I loved our show last time about, you know, female hormones and cycle syncing and everything. Today, we get to talk a little bit more about functional nutrition and aesthetics. Um, Kind of, I guess, in my experience, I've seen that, you know, I've been in this industry for a long time, and I would say, 98%. I don't know if that's a real number, but a big, big percent. Most Mm -hmm. of the people want an aesthetic change. They're into the industry because of that. Or even a lot of my friends and family who are in the health and fitness industry are here, not necessarily just for health and fitness. In fact, some aren't in it for health or fitness. (laughs) They're just Mm -hmm. in it for aesthetics. And Uh so that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today. If you could help us understand what got you into the fitness industry and then, you know, what brought you into functional nutrition and, um, let's talk about all of it, the whole, the full circle today. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. There's a lot to unpack. Um, (laughs) but you know, we'll dive into all the different aspects. Uh, so I got into competing initially. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of a long story. I'll just give you a brief overview, but I was wanting to get into fitness modeling And I went actually to um, a conference about music um, and like a showcase about music in New York City. And next to it was a fitness modeling search. And I ended up just going and like I signed that night with the company um, to start fitness modeling. And a week later, I was in Miami doing a photo shoot for like a bikini catalog. Like it was like crazy. I was like, is this really happening? Um, So very cool. 
But wow. Yeah. In talking um, to some of the girls at these photo shoots, you know, we were talking about how to get yourself more exposure. And back then, the way to do it was through uh, these competitions. So I said, all right, I'll do it. You know, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, so I hired a coach and did a, did a show in like seven weeks, ended up winning that show, winning the overall, winning my pro wow. card. And uh, six weeks later competed at the pro world championships and ended up getting third. Um, so that was in 2007. So quite a while ago. Um, oh, and, but I absolutely loved it. It was a really great um, combination of the fitness and the music world that I had been in, involved in for a long time. I was a music teacher before I became um, a, you know, a, a fitness coach. And it was a really nice combination of those two. So uh, I, I kind of changed paths and uh, started coaching for competitions and helping people, you know, aesthetically look what you need to look like for stage. Um, and from there started, you know, getting into more weight loss. Um, and over the years, you know, working with different clients, um, I, I started to find that, you know, just the calories in calories out method wasn't always working. And then what do you do when it's not working? When you've got a client already doing, you know, X number of cardio and you don't want to push them any further and they're on X number of calories and it's not going to be you know, healthy for them to go any lower, you know, but they, they're not losing weight, you know, what, what, what is happening. Um, and so that's when I started diving into functional nutrition and looking more at what is happening to the body underneath. Um, because in, in my understanding now, you know, without that functional health, you can't make, uh, the aesthetic health happen or the aesthetic look happen. So you've got to start first being functionally healthy before you can get that aesthetic look that you're going for. So that's how I got oh. into it. And for myself uh, personally too, you know, I had issues come up with um, hormones and just energy, you know, brain fog and things like that as I was dieting and, you know, was, why is this happening? And so, you know, de definitely diving into that for myself as well. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, um, Oh, you're such an inspiration. I love it. That's <laughs> just awesome. Thank you. <laughs> well, um, I'm sure that you've been in this industry a long time, just like me. And um, I have definitely gotten that request from a new client or even a client I've been working with for a while. They'll bring me a magazine cover and it's like, okay, I want to look like this. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't just think it, I say it. I'm like, okay, but you don't realize what it took to get them to you know, how to prep for a show or how to prep for a photo shoot or these, you know, things like that, like not to mention Photoshop and all <laughs> that things for later for magazines. I mean, you have to use some of those tools and I think they're wonderful. I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying that they don't walk around photo ready all the time. Now, yes, some of my clients, my friends, my family, they, they do walk around 365 days of the year looking pretty fit and fabulous. Mm -hmm. That's great and wonderful. And I do work with, you know, being at the gym and working with friends. I have friends and colleagues that look the part, but I know that they're doing things that that aren't necessarily healthy um, to just eat a lot of calories. Like maybe they're eating tons and tons of McDonald's or tons mm -hmm. of, you know, just to stay big and be able to get. So I would say sometimes healthy doesn't always look photo ready. And sometimes photo ready doesn't always mean 
healthy? Sometimes yes, but I want to break that down. So let's start with some of the, just, I don't know. I want you to unpack some of the myths for us, like the myths or the illusions of health, wellness, fitness, all that stuff. And maybe, maybe even tell, tell us like once you kind of break that down, like, well, let's start with that. And then I'll ask you another question. Maybe we'll then we'll talk about some of this stuff. (laughs) What do you think about that? Yeah. So those people who can walk around, you know, looking lean or being lean and living lean, um, we call those the unicorns, you know, they are very few and far between and often very ectomorph body types who can handle a lot of carbohydrates and, and not, don't have to do a lot of cardio, uh, to stay that lean. So, you know, there are a few people out like that, but the majority of people, um, you know, that's not a, that's not typical for them. Um, most people are not show ready or photo shoot ready, um, all year round. Uh, and the reason being is that, you know, not just different body types, but, um, health wise, as they start to diet and get into lower body fat, functionally things start to get off, you know, as we're dieting, um, physically and psychologically things start to change. Um, our metabolism begins to slow to conserve energy for the majority of people. And that's, that's actually what it's supposed to do. It's not metabolic damage. If your metabolism slows down actually means it's working perfectly that it's, it's, uh, keeping you alive, you know, back when we were cavemen, if there wasn't food around and your body sensed, you know, a a famine, that's what it would do. And it's doing that now it's sensing that you're in a calorie deficit. So it needs to like downgrade metabolism in order to conserve energy so that you stay alive. So it's, it's actually working perfect. uh, Metabolic damage is not really the correct term. Metabolic downregulation probably is better. Um, and if it goes so far, it can even shut down systems of the body, you know, losing a cycle, thyroid downregulates, you know, things like that. Cortisol goes crazy. Um, so you start to, to feel off. Um, so a lot of people who dieting into lower body fats, um, will, will feel off, um, like this. And it doesn't, you know, they might look great, but underneath they're not feeling great. Moods can shift. They may be more anxious, more angry, um, hunger and appetite definitely change, uh, where you're becoming more food focused, um, with, and you might have intense thoughts about, you know, binging or craving or like counting down until where the next, when the next meal is, um, you might feel like you're in a food prison and macro counting can help a little bit of, with this, but it really gets to a point sometimes with macros where there aren't a lot of options when you're doing or, or, or something specific, um, and it feels like it's impossible to stick with and going back and forth like that, you know, with your relationship with food can have long-term um, implications. And so it's definitely something that, um, you know, needs to be, um, I guess, aired that, that that can happen. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, I love that. And <clears throat> with that being said, tell us a little bit about dieting cycles and why they're necessary. Like you hear some of these, this talk around the gym, Oh, it's bulking season. I heard that at the gym this morning and you hear it every, you know, right around Halloween, things start cooling off and people say, or we'll say, okay, we're shredding for the wedding or we're leaning out for summer. Like there's these things we talk about, but those kind of are referring to 
some of these dieting cycles that have come along the way. So tell us more about dieting cycles and why they're necessary. Yeah, they're absolutely necessary to avoid some of these down regulations that happen with our systems functionally. Um, dieting, as you said, the different seasons to have different goals, you can't be trying to lose, lose, lose all the time. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you get to a certain point where it, you're just so depleted, that nothing is going to change and your body will actually start retaining, um, retaining weight uh, in order to just stay alive. Um, so in terms of cycling, you know, many people set up anywhere between um, six to eight week blocks of pushing and then set it up a deload. And you can repeat that cycle over and over until you hit your goal. Um, so maybe like in a bulking season right now that a lot of us are getting into as we head into winter, um, you know, you'll have six weeks of a push where you're really pushing that progressive overload. And then that seventh week is a deload. And then you can keep um, repeating that cycle until you feel like you've built enough. Same thing happens like on a weekly basis, just like smaller, smaller cycles um, within the big cycle. So you might be cycling higher calories on some days and then lower calories on other days just to help, you know, um, with that push and pull of uh, changing the body. Yes, um, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, I love that. And I love that that's kind of a good reminder for all of us who are just like, I can't just be losing weight all the time. Like it mm -hmm. is, there's a time of building strength. There's a time of leaning out. There's a time of cutting calories and there's a time of adding calories and all these things. So there's a time for everything. And um, tell us just a little bit, since you have the secret sauce, you know, you have the inside um, scoop on, just let us be a fly on the wall in prepping for a show or mm -hmm. prepping for a photo shoot. What does it take? And um, kind of, you know, the, the trade secrets, anything you might be willing to share. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely in order to prep for a show or a photo shoot, there's got to be some pre prep time. Um, so the prep before the prep, which could be, you know, a building phase or a phase where we're trying to, you know, be in a surplus of calories, because if you're always again, dieting, that stimulus isn't going to work anymore. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we've got if you're doing if you're always doing a half hour of cardio, let's say, you know, then that your body adapts to that stimulus. And now we've got to keep pushing more and more. So there's got to be a phase where we kind of um, unadapt the body to the different tools that we use for cutting. So you need a period of that. And then you also need a period where you're very consistent with macros so that we um, can see how the macros that you are using uh, can change your body. So if you say you're doing, you know, 150 protein and 200 carbs and 50 fats, we need to know how your body responds to that. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be consistent. So we know like, Hey, if I cut 50 grams of carbohydrates, you know, how will your body respond? Um, so very consistent diet. Um, and then, you know, pulling back some of the tools that we use for cutting in a pre prep phase is necessary. Um, and then in terms of prepping it, the prep itself, you know, I always tell people we need to be the turtle and not the hare. Um, mm. it used to be a lot when, back when I started, it was like, okay, 12 weeks is how long you're going to prep for. And you're just going to like drive yourself into the ground for those 12 weeks, just push, 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 um, which ends up actually being more harmful to the body functionally than if you were to spread it out over a longer term. So that 12 week kind of um, 
what is it like a like stereotype. A diet type. Yes. Yeah. Stereotype. stereotype is, is in my opinion, too hard and too fast in order to get, you know, to that goal. Um, normally we do something now like a 16 to 20 week prep where we can utilize a little bit more deloads and diet breaks within the food and the training where we can push a little bit. And then if a plateau comes along, we can pull back, let the body recover, let the body, um, come down from stress levels and get out of the sympathetic and into parasympathetic. Cause whenever you're dieting, um, fasting or not fasting, but in a deficit, um, your body is going to increase stress. Um, so this allows the body to recover and then we can kind of reset and then push again. And I found that that kind of push and pull with the food and training really is um, ideal in order for not just results uh, physically, but also mentally for the client. Um, you know, it, it's, it definitely helps with feeling like you're at a food prison when you know that a diet break is coming. Um, you can uh, push through and those feelings of binging and craving um, are much, much less when you do it in that manner. Oh, that's such a good reminder. And a great to know because whew, you, <laughs> you know, we can look on Instagram and see your photos mm -hmm. of earning your pro card. I mean, or anyone else who might get up there and you see lots of Instagrams, <clears throat> one little photo and it's like, oh, I see it for a second. It took you 20 weeks, not to mention years and years of laying down muscle and practicing, you know, everything you're doing. So correct. Yeah. Getting I had everything to... ready, your hormones ready, you're yeah. practicing your poses, you know, everything. Yeah. And I had somebody ask me last year when I was, after I did a show, how long did you prep for? And I was like, well, about six years, you know, yeah. like I've been like working for this for a long time. It just doesn't happen. Um, you know, in a three month time period. Exactly. And I think a lot of people do think that on, on accident, I don't, I don't mean, yeah, that. they yeah. think it because of anything except for we live in such an instant, um, instant gratification world right now. But anyway, um, tell us about the timeline of healthy dieting and reverse dieting phases. Yes. Yeah. So timeline again, you know, pushing hard for 20 weeks or so with some diet breaks and uh, deloads built in, um, refeeds, things like that. Um, you can do maybe a, if it's not quite so intense. I mean, bodybuilding is definitely an extreme sport when you're getting yeah. down. Last year, um, I, I got down to about 6% body fat according to in-body scans, however accurate that is. But I, I started, I can't remember actually where I started. I think it was 13 at 18 weeks out. And then I got down to 6%, um, which I mean, that's extreme. So yeah, pushing to that level is, you know, is extreme. And if you're not going that far, you could do cycles of dieting a little bit longer. So you could do six to eight week blocks with a one week, a deload or something of that nature. Um, and you could repeat that two or three times. And then in terms of reversing out of that, um, I, I really think that you need to reverse quickly because it, if you're eating anything under then about 200 under your BMR, you're still in a deficit. So mm -hmm. you're just prolonging the diet. Um, so you want to reverse fairly quickly. And if you're doing refeeds and diet breaks, you can just go into those macro setups and cardio, you know, amounts and then go from there into your reverse. Um, hopefully that will be at about a maintenance um, calories, but you want to quickly 
um, reverse up to 200 over BMR. And at Nutrition Dynamic, we do a flush like post, you know, goal, whether it's a, a, a competition or a shoot, whatever it might be, a wedding. We do a flush, which is like a flooding of the body with nutrients. And it's very parasympathetic focused. So mm. it helps get you out of that sympathetic state quickly after doing this, you know, um, diet phase, cutting phase, and um, into more of a balance. Um, and then you want to sit at maintenance, or even if you push into a surplus, if you're trying to build or whatever the goal is, for at least an equal amount of time that you have spent in the deficit. So if the deficit was 16 weeks, you need to stay in maintenance for 16 weeks. Um, yes. If you could do ideally two times as long, you know, to really address functional issues and stay there and sit there functionally healthy for a longer time period, that's great. Um, and if you need to, like, say, you know, aesthetically wise, if you need to change some things, that's when it happens. The changing of the body does not happen when you're in a cut, the, no you know, the, the building of the shoulders and, you know, enhancing the glutes that happens when you are, you know, in your off season or the improvement season, actually, as we like to call it. Um, and then in the cutting season, you just reveal that. And the goal in cutting season really is to take off the fat and retain as much muscle as possible, which we call like the rate of efficiency, how much, you know, percentage wise, are you losing a fat versus muscle? And you want that to be, of course, as high as possible in terms of losing fat. Um, but no matter who you are, how long you've been, you know, doing this, um, you are going to lose a little bit of muscle every time you diet. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for explaining all of that because, and thank mm -hmm. you for reminding us that, the recovery season, the improvement season, all of these are just as important. It's all a part of the process. It's part of the mm. recipe. You know, you can't leave that part out. And so thank you so Definitely. much for reminding us that of um, how it's all connected and why we have to go back into, re you know, repair mode and all that stuff and address these things, <clears throat> which brings us to really how it's all connected with functional nutrition. I mean, the root cause, it's all connected, all these things, vital signs, like explain a little bit more about what is functional nutrition. Yeah. So if you're struggling to change things aesthetically, you know, definitely taking a look at what's happening functionally is important. Uh, functional, uh, you know, a functional approach is having a holistic um, focus on identifying and addressing the root cause of symptoms and, you know, disease, if that's there. So if energy is low, if bowels aren't moving as they should, you know, on a daily basis, you know, hair is falling out, things like that, you want to look at the underlying reason, instead of just chasing symptoms, you want to look at why, you know, the root cause of why this is happening, why your body is responding that way. Um, Dr. Andrew Rosenberg says, you know, the body does not make mistakes. It responds to its environment. In order to change the outcome, we must change the environment. So we've got to look at what's happening both, you know, that you can see the visual and underneath. So some of that thing, you know, the things might be, you know, you can't lose weight, chronic fatigue, irritable bowel syndrome, allergies, you're having high anxiety or depression, hormone imbalances. Those are all the things that we can kind of see, but underneath you know, we're looking at things like nutrient deficiencies, lack of sleep, poor diet, stress, inflammation, toxic burden, and toxic thoughts, you know, all of that stuff comes into play as to why those functional issues are happening. So we want to get to, you know, the root cause of, of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about um, how some of these things like, especially stress and toxic thoughts and lack of sleep, those are just 
some big ones that I think of immediately of the list you named. Yeah. Tell us like, wow, what that does to cortisol and living in this constant sympathetic state. Tell us more about that story. The yeah. Cortisol story. Yeah. So cortisol, oh, it's a big player. Um, yeah. And it's, it's actually really great just in acute state. And we do things, you know, to, you know, trigger cortisol acutely, like ice baths are really popular right now doing that, like two minute ice bath, that's a cortisol, um, you know, trigger. Um, and then we come back down and we're back into the parasympathetic. That's what it's supposed to be designed to do, like trigger that cortisol. And then we come back. Training is the same thing. It triggers cortisol and then it comes back down. Um, but long term, you know, it's, it affects different systems of the body. So there's actually like three stages of cortisol. Um, you have the arousal, which is that rapid increase in um, catecholamines, like your alarm, you know, molecules that are happening, um, the stress um, response, your heart rate go gets higher, you're breathing heavier, you know, your, your, um, your sight and your senses are enhanced. And that's, you know, that's a good thing. But adaptation happens when you have sustained increase of level of these cortic, I can't say it, corticosteroids and these alarm molecules. And that starts to alter your glucose tolerance, your blood pressure, your thyroid, your sex hormones, and ultimately your metabolism. And then you go into a further stage and you get into exhaustion. And that's where degenerative diseases end up starting. Um, so long-term, you know, it can definitely affect the different systems of the body. Uh, immediate things that you might notice with yourself are going to be increase in hunger, increase in cravings for carbohydrates, um, inflammation, including things like arthritis and just general joint pain or feeling more puffy in your body, um, acid reflux, feeling more angry or hostile, sleep deprivation, uh, chronic fatigue, hypertension, you know, depression. I mean, it's, it really hits everything. Yeah. Um, cortisol has its hands in everything. So we need to consciously be putting in parasympathetic activities to help combat that because our body's cortisol response doesn't know if something like physically is happening, like a lion is chasing us, or it's some type of work stress that is happening that's more mental or emotional. And oftentimes, those emotional and mental things stay with us longer. So that cortisol, again, stays higher for longer. And, and then that, you know, the, the uh, adaptogen, the adaptive, excuse me, response begins to happen. Um, so we've got to consciously put in ugh, parasympathetic activities during the day, like dancing and laughing and getting out in nature, yoga, lymphatic massage, prayer, breathing, like all of those types of things to help balance out, you know, this sympathetic world that we live in. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Those are great ways to remind us how to get into that parasympathetic, parasympathetic state and to balance out, you know, the effects of cortisol. And one last thing on cortisol too, is there ever a last thing? But anyway, one last thing on cortisol is how do we, how do we test for it? I mean, yes, like you gave us so many great signs like the vital signs like oh I can tell I'm hungry or my heart is racing or I'm being more angry or hostile but is there another way to test for cortisol yeah actually there's there's a couple of different great ways to test um there's the dutch test which I'm actually doing today oh. um it's yeah um it is a four point or five point um and I'll explain that dried urine test 
And you'll, you take that just at home and that will give you your cortisol response throughout the entire day. So I really think a, a, a four point test is ideal. So you can see your cortisol patterning. When are you high? When are you low? Is it doing the normal pattern that it should kind of rising in the morning and then falling through the afternoon and then kind of fades out at night to help you go to sleep? Um, so that will give you that reading. The Dutch test is also really great because it looks at your hormones your sex hormones, and then also their metabolites, which a blood test does not do. Mm. Um, so metabolites, you know, it will look at your um, estrogen detox pathways. It's going to look at testosterone, whether you are androgen dominant, etiocalanolone dominant, um, you know, things like that, that are really insightful um, for how your body is responding versus what a blood test can do. And then the Dutch test also looks at your um, organic acids and neurotransmitters to look at, you know, nutrient deficiencies and how, um, again, neurotransmitters are responding to your environment. Um, so that's one way to test. And then also you can do a four point saliva test um, called a ZRT test. And that would just be your uh, cortisol by itself, nothing else. Um, and that's another one that you just do right at home. And then on a long, more long-term basis, you can uh, measure your heart rate variability. So that's literally just the variance in time between the beats of your heart. So for example, if your heart rate is 60 beats per minute, it's not actually beating like right on the dot of every one second. It's, there's a little variation between the two beats. So one might be at 0.9 seconds and the next might be at 1.5. So there's a little bit of variation in between those beats. Um, and although this is you know, a function of, a function of your heart rate, it actually originates from your atomic nervous system, which is the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. Um, so the parasympathetic, often referred to as your rest and digest, handles inputs from internal organs like digestion and your fingernails and your hair growing, and it causes a decrease in the heart rate. And then sympathetic um, nervous system, often called fight or flight, reflects the responses to things like stress and exercise actually increases your heart rate. So the heart rate variability comes from these two com competing branches simultaneously sending signals to your heart. And if your nervous system is balanced out, your heart is constantly be being told to beat slower by your parasympathetic and then beat faster by your sympathetic. And this causes the fluctuation in your, in your heart rate, which is your HRV. So if you're uh, heart rate variability is very low, that means you are in a more stressed out state. If your heart rate variability is higher, that means you're in more of a parasympathetic state. I see. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that can be measured by an aura ring or the whoop band. Those are the two I know of. Maybe there's something else, but those no, are the those are the only two I've heard of too. Not okay. that we know everything, yeah. but yeah, right. those two <laughs> I've heard of too. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Um, wow. Okay. So how does that go into uh, metabolism? Because we're talking about heart rate and cortisol. And I mean, obviously you've talked about that can affect your hunger and then your eating and all of these things. I mean, metabolism is a big player too. Tell us mm -hmm. about that. What contributes to metabolism? It's not just calories in versus calories out in, in the, in the big game, the big picture. Yeah. Kind of, but in the smaller nuances of life, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's happening Tell underneath us. determines yeah, yeah. 
how your body is going to use those calories. Right. Um, so of course, you know, feeding up or, or, you know, going into a deficit can affect metabolism, as I kind of mentioned before. So your metabolism is really what you feed it, you can stoke the fire by increasing your uh, consumption. But other things that stimulate metabolism include the liver. And a lot of people don't know this, that about 15 to 20% of your uh, metabolism or your metabolic rate is housed in the liver. So if mm -hmm. detox of the liver and function of the liver is sluggish, your metabolism is going to be as well. Um, and that's another reason why with a lot of our clients, we do what is called our flush um, system, where we flood the body with nutrients. And in that system, we're really focusing on liver and opening up those detox pathways so that we can enhance uh, metabolic rate. Um, cellular energy is another one. How good is your body at creating ATP? Um, supporting and nourishing thyroid and adrenals, uh, supporting gut health. You know, if, if you're not going on a consistent basis, then toxins are being reabsorbed into your body and creating inflammation, um, which is a problem for your metabolism. Um, sugar response. So blood sugars are a really good indicator of met metabolism. Um, and, you know, we want them to be between 70 and 90 on an ideal, you're fasted, I should say, um, ideally. And if for some women who are more the athletic build, the athletic type, you can maybe go low 90s, but generally we want it to be between 70 and 90. And, uh, and then during the day in response to food, it should go up about 20, maybe 30 points and then fall back down to that 70 to 90 range um, within about two to three hours. Um, so balancing sex hormones also affects metabolism. If you're very estrogen dominant, if you have inflammatory estrogen, that's definitely going to affect the way that you can lose weight or gain muscle. Um, and then eating consistently throughout the day, you know, we, we need to have consistent um, intake of protein and fiber and, and fats in order to, you know, keep all of these things balanced. Yes, absolutely. Keep them metabolic, keep throwing log on the metabolism fire. Like you said, stoking yeah. the fire. Is that what you said? Yes, I think so. so. <laughs> yes, I love that. I mean, it's, that's a great analogy and a great reminder for us. Keep that the metabolism is our friend and we want to make sure that we're, you know, detoxifying the liver and helping it and flushing with good things and all these things, keeping the metabolism. And like you said earlier, just about listening to the messages from the body, like mm -hmm. if metabolism is an issue. We need to address that. Okay. You mentioned sex hormones. So let's talk about female hormones and balance and cycle syncing. And, um, I mean, we just talked a bit about this in our last show last week, but let's talk yeah. about it a little bit again for anyone who didn't listen to that and anyone who didn't please go back and listen, but yeah. <laughs> tell us more about that. <laughs> yeah. So cycle syncing again, you know, it's a way to, you know, base your, um, nutrition, movement, and lifestyle on the changes and the shifts that are happening with your hormones throughout the month. And in this, you're, you know, optimizing the things that are positive about the hormones and working with them instead of trying to fight your body on that. So, you know, for example, with the different stages in follicular phase, we can just break it down into just the basic stages. Follicular yeah. phase, you know, you are going to be, um, 
you, you, you're going to have higher energy. This is when hormones start off fairly low and then they're going to start to ramp up right before ovulation. Excuse me, estrogen is going to ramp up right before ovulation. And you should feel very energetic, very productive during this time. Um, it's a time to really push in the gym. You can do more high intensity because your body will be able to recover faster in this time. Um, you can also do a little bit more carbohydrates. Your body will be a little bit more carb sensitive and can handle, you know, the higher carbohydrates in this point. Then you have ovulation, um, you know, which is kind of like, um, you know, a very social time. You should, again, have a lot of energy here. It's a great time to push in the gym. And then hormones will, or the estrogen, excuse me, will drop at, for a little bit. And you might start feeling more like you want to turn inward a little bit. You're not as social, um, you, you don't want to push as much in the gym, you know, reps and sets might be um, a little bit higher rep wise with a little bit less weight recovery is not going to be, you know, as, as good as in follicular phase. And you might want to do some more low intensity activities um, like yoga and Pilates, you know, things of that nature um, that you can recover from. Well, in terms of diet at this point, you know, you want to turn to more higher fats to help support the production of progesterone and, um, and, and stay away definitely from inflammatory foods like alcohol and fried foods, um, things of that nature, more processed foods that are going to add to inflammation and make PMS symptoms worse. Yeah. Oh, wow. Great reminders there. And for anyone who maybe didn't even know that great aha moments there for a lot of people, I'm sure. Um, Whoa. I mean, mind blown, <laughs> all of this. And, and we, we unpacked, like you said, a lot in very short time. So what else? I'm sure there's a question I'm that I'm just not even thinking of or anything that you kind of, that came to mind or. Um, hmm. Let me look back my notes here. I think we touched on everything. Yes. Um, I think, well, one thing that I want to say is that, you know, in terms of aesthetically and like pushing yourself and knowing when to kind of pull back. Um, you know, it, it's great to have a goal and want to push to, um, you know, something, you know, that you haven't done before, you know, push to uh, a certain body fat or uh, the look that you want. But if functionally things are starting to fall apart, you know, you know, focus like things like you're having brain fog, or you can't focus or general fatigue, you know, you shouldn't be needing to have a bang energy drink every single day, you know, <laughs> throughout the year in order to make it through a workout. Um, mm -hmm. And then and then at nighttime, you can't sleep at all. You know, if things are falling off, you know, focus more on the long term. Um, because if you keep pushing and pushing, it's just going to get into deeper problems. And it's better to pull out, fix things, and then and then go back in um, from a healthier state uh, to reach that goal. Yeah. Great reminder. I'm really glad you said that. I feel like, uh, probably a lot of people needed that reminder and it's so nice when we're talking to just general, like talking to a podcast, cause anybody can listen to this and, and feel like you're not the only one. Some of us, you and I doing personal training, it's like, we're talking to this one client and they might think like, they're the only one that we're coaching this too, but no, it, a lot of people need that reminder. And a lot of people I think need to just pull back and focus on their health and not just aesthetics. And I think we're in such a physical world right now of especially Instagram and photos and selfies mm -hmm. and everything that's just telling us that look, 
looks are everything. It's really not. We really need to listen to the messages from our body. Like you mentioned earlier, the, the body mm-hmm. never makes mistakes. You're, mm-hmm. you wouldn't just ignore the mail that comes to your mailbox, like, or your emails, like you, you open the messages, <laughs> you listen yeah. to the body, check yeah. in. What is this message? What does it mean? I got a bill in the mail. My shoulder's really hurting <laughs> or I, you know, my, what is this swelling? I see this came in the mail today. <laughs> it's like yeah. brain fog. What could this be from? So yeah. I think if we start connecting those things and not brushing them under and just think, Oh, I'll just drink a bang. Um, but Mm -hmm. no, why do I have this brain fog and what's going on with my cycle and what's going on with my metabolism? So thank you for all these amazing reminders. Um, uh, anything that I guess that you want to maybe leave us with? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, if anybody is interested in coaching either with myself or another, you know, coach from our team at nutrition dynamic, we have a free discovery call that you can set up, um, through nutritiondynamic.com. And, um, and then we have, you know, some amazing products and supplements that can help support different areas, um, that you might need support with, um, also at nutrition dynamic and, um, newethics.com actually. Um, so if you, if you want to just set up like an hour long consultation, you can do that through our site as well. And we can give you guidance on some things to do for, um, you know, specific issues that you might be concerned with through that consultation. Okay. Amazing. Well, I love it. I'll add all of this in our show notes and, um, and just remind our listeners if they didn't listen to last time, I know you guys are going to go listen to it now, but if anybody (laughs) didn't listen, um, remind us where to find you on Instagram and email and, um, just verbally here. And I'll also add it in the show notes. Sure. Sure. Thank you. Um, so my Instagram is laura.tarbell.ifbbpro. And then my email is laura.t at nutritiondynamic.com. Yay. And you're active on Instagram and you like to do DMs and emails and all that stuff. Yes, I am. Yay. Okay, (laughs) Laura, thank you so much. I'm excited. We'll have to do this again for sure. I love having you on the show. You're so awesome. Great at communicating. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll see you on Instagram. Sounds good. Okay. Bye.